Hello friends, once again this is Pastor Evangelist Robert Venable inviting you to stay tuned for this edition of Let's Talk About Jesus right here on WMAF. And to those of you who are brand new listeners to this broadcast, we welcome you. We're glad you have discovered this fine radio station, family-friendly programming, classic country music, classic uh, gospel music, uh, a very unique station right there in Madison, North Florida. I'm sure people listen from South Georgia to the radio wave and beyond the radio tower there in Madison uh, by computer anywhere in the United States, anywhere in the world. This broadcast is available to you today and this station is available to you today. So we are very, very glad to, uh, to be part of of the broadcast family right here on WMAF. And we are so glad, uh, if you're a return listener, that you are part of the listening family. And if you would like to be a media missionary, you just drop a postcard or uh, an email uh, to someone in another state, another country, that you feel uh, this station and this broadcast and other fine ministries here in on WMAF, if we would feel we would be a blessing to them in some way. Uh, let them know about this station and let them know that they can type in WMAF home uh, on their computer and go to the home page of WMAF and up in the right hand corner they can click one click of their mouse and uh, and uh, hear what you are hearing uh, live streaming 24 hours a day 7 days a week. Amen. And what a blessing it would be. So many of us can't go to foreign fields but we can uh, alert people in those fields that are connected to the World Wide Web that they can hear the gospel as you are hearing it and be blessed by it. Having said that, we're getting ready to go back to this um, important message to set a tone for this brand new year that we are in. I always pray and ask the Lord, what, what do you want? What does the Holy Spirit want? I ask Him directly, distinctly, what do you want? want us to emphasize the Bible is a big, thick book, and there are many wonderful principles uh, to be applied to our life. But what is it that the Lord wants us to hear? What is the Spirit saying to the church that we might uh, speak accordingly? And uh, I really believe the soon coming of the Lord is going to become a central message to those that are listening to the Holy Spirit. Along with all the other messages, we're not going to just push aside all the other important messages we need to hear. But I believe in the forefront, the coming of the Lord will bring us that sense of urgency and that sense of that desire, that need to get closer to God and stay closer to God uh, because Jesus is coming very, very soon. I want to read three verses once again from Revelation chapter 22 and uh, listen to the words of Jesus. It says in verse 7, of Revelation 22, Behold, I come quickly. Blessed is he that keepeth the sayings of the prophecy of this book. And behold, verse 12 says, I come quickly, and my reward is with me to give every man according as his work shall be. And verse 20 says, He which testifieth these things saith, Surely I come quickly. Amen. Even so. 
come Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. Praise God. We talked about the certainty last week of the soon coming of Jesus Christ. And we moved on to that that we're going to take up this week as we minister this message and teach this message that not only is it a certain hope, a cardinal truth in Scripture, it is also a purifying hope. And we want to deal with that today out of 1 John once again, chapter 3 and verses 2 and 3. And it simply says, Beloved, Now we are the sons of God, and it doth not yet appear what we shall be. But we know that when He shall appear, we shall be like Him, for we shall see Him as He is. When He shall appear, we shall be like Him, for we shall see Him as He is. And verse 3 says, And every man that hath this hope in him purifieth himself, even as he is pure. This is the sanctifying effect of the blessed hope of the soon return of Jesus Christ. And it is a blessed hope before we move back into the purity part of it. I want to, I want to just read this, this scripture in Titus 2, verse 11 through 14. It said, For the grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared to all men, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lust, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly, listen to this, in this present world, looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ who gave Himself for us, that He might redeem us from all iniquity and purify unto Himself a peculiar people, zealous of good works. Hallelujah. See, this this blessed hope uh, that, that Jesus is soon coming for us, and He's called us to live a sanctified and separated life in light of His soon coming, teaching us. Grace doesn't uh, give us a license to sin. It teaches us to deny ungodliness and worldly lust, that we should live soberly and righteously and godly. Listen, in this present world, this fallen world, this sinful and sin-filled world, Now, Satan has a a strategy to defeat God's people, and that's why this purifying hope is so important. We can preach and teach the need to be pure, the need to be holy, as He is holy all day long, every Sunday after Sunday. But it is this hope, it is this understanding, if you are a Christian, that Christ is coming very, very soon that will purify us, that will help us to want to live differently, to live a life of separation and sanctification, to be an upstream Christian in a downstream world. Hallelujah! To be going against the flow instead of going with the flow, because we know and understand, appreciate and appropriate this truth into our life, that our Savior and our Sovereign King could return at any moment. And living in the light 
of the soon coming of Jesus Christ, looking at everything through that lens of understanding, is a pure, fine hope. And Satan has a strategy to pollute and putrefy that that God has cleansed, set apart for himself. His strategy to defeat God's people is to get us to go with the flow, get us to compromise our faith and our fidelity to God. In Numbers chapter 25, he used this strategy against ancient Israel, the covenant people. And it says in verse 1 through 3, And Israel abode at Shittim, and the people began to commit whoredom with the daughters of Moab. And they called the people unto the sacrifices to their gods, and the people did eat and bowed down to their gods. And Israel joined himself to Baal Peor, and the ang- anger of the Lord was kindled against Israel. You see, friends, today our enemy knows he cannot defeat us as long as God is with us and God is for us. He also knows that God cannot defend us if we bow to other gods and we compromise our faith. His strategy is fourfold. Number one, to absorb us into the culture. Number two, to undermine our identity as the holy called out peculiar people that we are to be. And number three is to seduce us, to compromise our faith. And number four, and finally, to introduce pagan gods and idolatry. Friend of mine, there's a call of God like never before for the called out to come out. I preach on this often because you can't help to be affected uh, by the culture, but we can help being infected by the culture. We do not have to give in, to go with the flow. Amen. There is a call. You see, church is not just an institution. It's not just an organization. The word church in the New Testament is the word ecclesia. And the word ecclesia, where we get ecclesiastic from having to do with the church and and the administration of all of those things concerning church. Ecclesia simply means called out ones. Called out ones. We've not only been called to come to Christ and be saved, we're called to follow Christ and be sanctified to walk even as he walked. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were not Hebrew names, but names given to these three young men by the Babylonians to distance them from their true identity. But they would not eat meat from the king's table, and they would not bow to a false god. Oh, yes, they were thrown alive into the fiery furnace, but they wouldn't burn because God was with them, and God was for them. And the shout of a king was among them. We must not, in the name of tolerance, bow to other gods. Not even the God of, of I, the, the God that becomes idolatrous to us because of covetousness. The God of pleasure. You know, the Bible said that in the last days, one of the things that would occur in the culture is that men would love pleasure more than God. So God's safeguard is this call to separation. Second Corinthians chapter 6, verse 14 through 18 says, Be ye not 
unequally yoked together with unbelievers. For what fellowship hath righteousness with unrighteousness, and what communion hath light with darkness? And what concord hath Christ with Belial? Or what part hath he that believeth with an infidel? In other words, this word Christ with Belial literally is, 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 is Jesus and Satan. You know, you can't eat at the table of devils and at the table of God, the Scriptures declare. There is, it's like oil and water. The love of the world is always going to be at odds and at enmity with God and His kingdom. And that's why Christians, I'm not talking about some kind of cultish uh, type of attitude uh, where people just draw aside into little groups and never interact with the world. I'm talking about not loving the world, not adopting its morals and mores and not going with the flow, but living in the world, but not of the world. See, that was the prayer of Jesus. He said, Father, I do not pray that you take them out of the world, but I pray that you keep them from the evil one. Hallelujah. I I had a man in our church. I love him so dearly. I can hear his words echoing today. He said, if you really have victory, his name was Charles H. Hodges, and, and he, he, uh, he was a, a blessing to me, and he's still being a blessing to me. Uh, and he said, he said, if you really have victory as a Christian, you can live in a duplex with the devil a half a block from hell and keep the victory. Someone else has said, amen, that the greatest thing that God can do for a man is take an unholy man out of an unholy world and make him holy and then put him back in the midst of that unholy world and keep him holy. You see, we're here for a purpose. We're here to be the salt of the earth. But if the salt loses its savor, it's good for nothing but to be cast out on the dunghill. We're here to have an influence. We're here to make a difference. Salt is not just used to season food, to make it tasty to the palate of this world. Salt is used to keep meat from putrefying. Ah, friend, before the days of refrigeration, they would salt the meat to keep it from rotting. And we're here as a preservative in this culture that we might have an influence. Oh, yes, I want everybody to, to know how wonderful and how good God is. As David said, the psalmist said, Oh, taste <laughs> and see that the Lord, He is good. And I wished everyone could experience, could perceive spiritually the greatness and the goodness of God. Maybe then sin wouldn't hold such sway over you and over me. If we could taste the goodness of God, I really believe we would lose our taste for the things of this world because it just cannot compare. Hallelujah. Praise God. This safeguard is to take us out of this unholy world and make us holy by sanctifying power of the Holy Spirit through the Word, through the cleansing of the Word. Hallelujah. And then use us in the midst of this world, in a crooked and perverse generation, Paul taught, that we might shine as lights 
in the world. And Peter taught it very similar. It's all flowing in the same direction. We are here for a holy and a divine purpose. But we've got to live a sanctified life in order for God's purpose to be achieved in us and through us. So verse 17 says, let's continue reading. Verse 15, In what concord hath Christ with Belial? What part hath he that believeth with an infidel? And what agreement hath the temple of God with idols? For ye are the temple of the living God. As God hath said, I will dwell in them and walk in them, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. Wherefore, come out from among them and be ye separate, saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you, and be a father to you, and ye shall be my sons and my daughters, saith the Lord Almighty. Now we go to the next chapter of Second Corinthians, chapter 7 and verse 1, to complete this thought. That's, it's separated for the for the, the purpose of interpretation. But it flowed like a letter. And the letter isn't finished because a new chapter here is beginning. For verse 1, directly relating to the last thing I read uh, of in, 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 the, in the Scripture, says, Having therefore these promises, dearly beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of the Lord. You see, friends, the world system can be so seductive to our flesh. We must remember it is influenced by the father of lies. Nothing in the material world nor in the spiritual darkness of Adam's fallen race can satisfy the deepest longings of the soul like Jesus can and will do. Oh, friend, if you could only Taste and see that the Lord, He is good. That is a perception that the enemy wants to keep you blinded from and keep you from experiencing. Ah, friend, there's nothing that sin can offer that can satisfy the deepest longings of your soul. The father of lies will keep on lying to you and telling you to try this. If this, if you just had that person, you would be happy. So leave your wife and family and get this person. If only you had the right position uh, in life, in, in your career, in your vocation, or if you could become some kind of, of rock star type of, of person that you could be so gratified when people would applaud everything you do and say. The devil will keep offering you through drugs and through alcohol, through every kind of sexual perversion. He will keep offering you that that he says that will make you happy, that will fulfill you. But friend of mine, he's a liar and the father of it. But when Jesus said, the thief came to steal, kill, and destroy, but I've come to give you life and to give it to you more abundantly. It doesn't just mean when you die you go to heaven instead of going to hell. It means that there is more than just sins forgiven and heaven is your home. There is a fulfillment as Christ comes to abide within you, as God comes to live within you, as the Holy Spirit comes to live within you and give you the peace that passes all 
understanding and give you the hope that even death cannot conquer and to give you a purpose in life that is beyond self-indulgence and self-satisfaction, living for something higher than yourself, living for someone higher than yourself. This is what we are called to as Christians. On July 15th, I believe it was in 1997, they were taping the children's program Barney and Friends. But as they were filming Barney and Friends, according to this internet report, there was a short in the electrical fan inside the hot suit that the actor who plays Barney wears. All of a sudden, smoke started to pour out of the different parts of Barney's purple body. They had to quickly whip Barney's head off, and of course everyone could see that there was a person inside the dinosaur. There were phone calls, letters, there was outrage and horror. Children were upset and crying all over the world. They had heard that Barney wasn't really a dinosaur after all. The newspapers covering the story had forgotten that children might actually read the papers too. And they had created a crisis of faith. Barney went up in smoke and lost his head. That's what children thought. It all looked good. The image was fine. But the reality left them doubting and empty. Friend of mine, that's what happens when we worship things rather than the living God. Oh, it might seem right at the beginning. It might seem like a good image like an ad in a paper in Burlington, Vermont, that uh, a few years ago I saw. Free puppies, half Cocker Spaniel, and half the neighbor's sneaky dog. (laughs) Looks good on the surface until you read further. Imagine, free puppies, here it is. Reality, maybe not quite what you expected. So it is with idolatry. It sells you one thing, seems good, titillates, blesses your excesses, but in reality lets you down, doesn't truly exist, and leaves you and I empty. The real source of life, the real power in your life, is the living God, not in some substitute. You know, the Bible speaks of idolatry in terms of, of our values and what we worship and what we seek after to fulfill us, not just alone in some physical man-made image. It gets closer to home, something more subversive and subtle, but, but something very, very dangerous. And it says in the New Testament that covetousness is idolatry. When we want what someone has in the material, physical world, because we believe if we have it too, it will make us happy and fulfill us, and we give ourselves over to that, uh, that becomes and uh, that becomes the object of our worship. You see, everybody is going to serve somebody. As Bob Dylan wrote years ago in a song when he had a a brush with Christianity, you've got to serve somebody. It may be the devil or it may be the Lord, but you and I are going to serve somebody. Oh, friend of mine, I have found that serving God is the most fulfilling, most wonderful, 
the most hopeful, the most helpful life that could ever be lived. And I have lived on the other side. And I can tell you, amen, serving God is better. Serving God is so much better. Praise God. Friend of mine, the real source of life, the real source of power is serving the living God. Accepting Christ as your Savior, knowing that your sins are forgiven. Knowing that should you draw your last breath this very day, that your next breath would be in heaven. Knowing that they would transport your body to a morgue, from a morgue to to a funeral home, from a funeral home to a graveside. But you will be with the Lord. As Paul said, apart from the body is to be present with the Lord. And not just for a season, but forever, age without end. And to know that until you go to be with the Lord, the Lord has promised to be with you here and to take you through all of the, all of the crisis and circumstances, the heartache and the heartbreak of living in a faulty body in a fallen world. In this world, Christ said, and this is a promise from Jesus, and we all know the longer we live, we find this to be true. In this world, you shall have, in this world, this present fallen world, you shall have tribulation. Thelpsis is the Greek word, and it means anguish and pressure, heartache and heartbreak, all of the, all of the compounded things that, that is happening in our world globally and in our world nationally and in our world personally, our families, our lives. There's so much heartache and so much heartbreak. And yet Jesus said, be of good cheer. Be of good cheer. In this world you shall have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. One paraphrase said, I have gone before you and robbed the world of power to hurt you or to harm you. You see, he does that not by making the world perfect, but by speaking his peace and the peace of his promised presence into our lives and his strength and his grace when we need it. The promise of Jesus to go with us all the way even unto the end of the age, is the promise of His peace and His power right here and right now. Not in the sweet by and by, but in the nasty here and now. And that promise to you today, that if you come to Christ by faith, that He will forgive your sin. If you repent of your sin, He will forgive your sin. He will pardon your sin. He will cleanse you from that heart. He will give you a new heart. It's like a transplant, a new lease on life with a new heart. Hallelujah. He said, I will take away the heart of stone, the Scripture said under the new covenant that Jesus fulfilled, and I will give you a heart of flesh. Praise God. You may not have an inclination toward righteousness. You may have an inclination toward sinfulness. But I want you to know just as you are. With that inclination, but knowing it's wrong. And you want God to forgive you. 
for the sins you have committed and to change you from the inside out. Oh, you will not be sinlessly perfect, but you will be perfectly sinless. <laughs> Hallelujah. You know what that means? Your sins will have been forgiven. And if you find yourself stumbling, sin will not reign. But if you find yourself stumbling, he, if we confess our sin, and we will want to because our heart has been changed. There's a new bent. It's toward righteousness now. And that sinful nature has been changed into a nature that desires to be right with God. Oh, friend of mine, God can do that. God will do that for you. He will do it for me today. And today, if you're a Christian, if you are a Christian, God has already saved you. And you are part of the church that He's coming for. It's not a denomination or an organization. It is the called out ones, the ecclesia. And friend, today, God is calling us. God is calling you. As a Christian, He's calling me as a Christian, as a called out one to come out from among them and not be self-righteous speak condescending to anyone but to live a distinctly diametrically different life than the culture about us and the world around us it is time for the called out to come out because Christ is coming very very soon Well, our time is gone today, but would you come back next week and let's talk about Jesus.